This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know that feeling when you have something that's really been bothering you, or when you've been fixating on something in your life that's looming large in your mind? We all carry around different stressors in our lives, big and small, and I think we inherently know that when we keep them bottled up inside, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, and to figure out how to work through whatever it is that's weighing you down. Therapy isn't just for people who have experienced major trauma. There are plenty of benefits it can have for everyone. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. And don't underestimate the power of boundaries either. Those are super important. If you've been wondering if you should give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's a fully online experience and designed from the ground up to be convenient and customizable to your schedule. To get started, you just have to fill out a brief questionnaire that will match you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash filmdaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash filmdaily. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Film Show. Today is Tuesday, September 26th, 2023. On today's episode of the show, I'm going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson, and I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on this episode by no one. It's a very busy day at SlashFilm.com. Jacob Hall, our uh, lead editor, is attending Fantastic Fest. Um, Ryan Scott, who normally joins me on Tuesdays for box office stuff, uh, is traveling today. Um, So anyway, we have a lot going on in Slash Film. As always, I encourage anyone listening to this to pop over there and read a bunch of stuff. That's where we really need your help. So uh, I would always appreciate that. All right, let's get into the news today. Um, There's some big news. After days of long meetings with heads of studios like Bob Iger and Ted Sarandos and David Zaslov and Donna Langley, a tentative agreement was reached on Sunday night between the WGA and the AMPTP. In a statement to its members, the WGA called the deal exceptional and said it has, quote, meaningful gains and protections for writers in every sector of the membership, end quote. So that is awesome. It seems like this uh, writer strike is finally, finally, finally about to come to an end. So no specifics about the deal have been announced as of this recording, but those could and should and probably will be revealed anytime between right now as you're listening to this and the next couple of days. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, The big question now, what happens next? So the negotiating committee is going to vote on whether or not they should send this deal to the leadership groups for the East and West branches of the WGA. And those groups will then vote on whether to authorize a ratification vote from the 11,000 plus strong membership of the guild. There's a chance that the writers could return to work as those ratification votes are coming in, but that is still up in the air at the moment. Uh, We know that picketing has been suspended by the WGA, but the WGA members are still being encouraged to actually join SAG-AFTRA on their picket lines to show their solidarity and support. So after striking for, I think it was over 145 days and being extremely vocal about how crucial it is that the guild win the protections and the gains that it needs, it seems very likely to me 
that the WGA negotiating committee would not have announced this tentative agreement unless they really felt that there was a strong chance that the membership would actually approve of the terms that they've reached. So it seems like the strike is really like actually almost over. Um, again, the, the timing is a little wishy-washy. We're not sure exactly, you know, what the dates are or the, you know, down to the hour or anything like that. But um, I think that the WGA said that they're dotting every possible I and crossing all the T's and all that kind of stuff before they like come back with more specifics to the membership. But it really does seem like, you know, that there's finally like a true light at the very bright light now at the end of this tunnel. Um, we're going to report back probably on Thursday with more details about the specifics of the deal, which I assume will have been made public by then. But in the meantime, now that the WGA strike seems to be ending, attention has turned to SAG-AFTRA. So I believe that this is true, that the AMPTP, the consortium of studios, has not actually met with SAG-AFTRA since the, their members went on strike, which was on July 14th. So it's been quite some time now. Um, SAG-AFTRA has said that it will not be meeting with the AMPTP this week. There was a lot of speculation that, oh, the AMPTP has met up with the WGA and they've struck a deal. So now they're going to immediately turn their attention to SAG-AFTRA since that's the other big guild that's on strike right now. Um, evidently that meeting is not going to happen this week, but uh, Deadline claims in a recent report that a meeting could actually happen by the end of next week. So uh, the hope is that the folks on the SAG-AFTRA negotiating committee can use uh, some of the public details from the WGA uh, agreement as a sort of template for how to uh, proceed moving forward with their negotiations. And, and the hope is that everyone is able to, the studio, uh, the, basically it boils down to the hope is the studios have now made a deal with the writers and hopefully they'll make a deal with the actors uh, in a similar way that, that presumably gives them the protections and the gains that they're looking for. Um, and finally, the studios have realized like, oh, we can't just stand by and not have stuff uh, in the works forever. We, our entire business model is predicated on the idea that we have writers and actors actually working on movies and TV shows. So um, the hope is that the studios have finally like pulled their head out of the sand and realized that they've taken this as far as they can take it. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, in the meantime, though, SAG-AFTRA members have voted to authorize a strike against the video game industry. So that vote doesn't necessarily mean that a strike is inevitable, but it gives the national board the authority to call a strike if SAG-AFTRA doesn't come out of this next round of negotiations with an acceptable deal for its members. So um, meetings between SAG-AFTRA and video game companies like Activision and Epic Games and Insomniac Games, WB Games, Electronic Arts, these are names you definitely recognize if you're a, a gamer, uh, are supposed to take place over the next few days. So we'll see if, if a strike uh, against the video game companies is the next thing that um, I guess the entertainment field at large has to, uh, has to deal with. So hopefully, especially after seeing the toil and the um, turmoil and all of the chaos that has been sown uh, in Hollywood and beyond um, that the video game companies actually say, oh, we actually don't want to go through the same experience that the AMT AMPTP just went through. Uh, so maybe we can reach a, a goal or reach a, a deal um, faster and easier without actually having to deal with a strike in the process. So 
yeah, anyway, I would say um, finally some good news on the strike front, which is great. And um, yeah, again, we'll, we'll bring you more specifics as soon as we learn them. But uh, that's the big, big story right now. And uh, yeah, let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we're back. Uh, I wanted to mention two pieces of news that I thought were noteworthy. Um, because of the strike potentially ending for the writers, I'm guessing there's just going to be a flood of news stories in the coming weeks and months about uh, projects that have been picked up by the studios. And um, I've seen a lot of talk that like maybe the spec script market is going to uh, catch on fire the way that it did after the 1988 strike. And that was a, a big time for writers being able to sell projects to studios that were not based on IP and they were just like sort of pitching uh, their own original projects. I'm not sure if Hollywood is like equipped to deal with an influx of those kinds of projects anymore as much as I would love for that to happen. Um, but I hope the spec script market takes off because that implies that maybe we'll see a lot more original stuff coming up. Uh, anyway, I think a lot of news stories are probably on the horizon about big projects um, potentially, you know, that, that have been like on the back burner because of the strike finally coming to the forefront. And one of those seems to be a reboot of The Office. So Matt Bellany over at Puck publishes an entertainment newsletter, and he said that uh, NBC is preparing to announce a reboot of The Office as the WGA strikes are poised to come to an end. Um, we don't really know much about what this thing is going to be, but we know that uh, Greg Daniels, who was the showrunner for the American version of The Office and who was instrumental in helping the show uh, become the huge hit that it became is going to be returning to take charge of this reboot. So this is not going to be an instance where NBC looks at something in their back catalog, a piece of IP and says, oh, how can we exploit this just as a, as a pure cash grab? This is them luring Greg Daniels back into the fold, which seems to imply that there's more of a creative take or like a real reason to do this aside from just um, this is a recognizable thing that that people love. Um, obviously, the office has become like a you know even bigger. Um, it, it looms even larger in the American consciousness than it did when it was on, and it was super popular when it was on because it has become like this streaming balm for people, um, and like the rights to it have sold for the streaming rights to it have sold for tons and tons of money. Um, so it's become a thing that people just like have on. It's like very much a part of the background of so many American viewers' lives now that it's like a huge, huge deal. So the idea that the show would come back in some capacity um, seems like a, ma a major news story, especially with Greg Daniels involved. So um, what is this thing gonna be about? We don't really know. Um, as of last year, Daniels uh, had a quote about a potential reboot of The Office. I'm gonna read that to you. I can't tell whether fans would want more of it. And when I say more of it, I don't think it would be the same characters. I think it would be just sort of like an extension of the universe. You know what I mean? Like the way the Mandalorian is like an extension of Star Wars. But I don't know if that would be something that people would want or not. It's hard to tell. So it seems like if this story from Puck is to be believed that... Uh, people do want this, or at least Greg Daniels has found a way in and, and a reason for telling this story. So um, I think maybe the implication here is that we can expect 
uh, or we can't expect to see the returning faces, um, or maybe not all of them, perhaps one or two people might come back. That's pure speculation on my part. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, the format obviously lends itself very well to picking up in, in different um, offices and things like that. I mean, obviously like Parks and Recreation kind of originally started as an office spinoff and became its own thing and took very much the, that same sort of mockumentary style with it and, and carved out its own identity. But this would definitely be back under the the banner of the office, whatever that means now in this new context. But uh, yeah, just interesting stuff to think about here. Um, I think a lot of people would roll their eyes at, at just reading the news that like, oh, a new version of the office, of course, because like, uh, it just seems like a cash grab, right? But the idea that Daniels is, is back here, plus the idea that like the original, as Brad wrote in, in uh, the news article on Slashfilm about this, the idea that like when the American version of The Office was being announced, very few people thought that was a good idea because the UK original version of The Office was so great that everybody was like, that's going to be a terrible idea to try to replicate that. So the fact that it it found its footing after a season or so and became this beloved institution in American television, uh, I think is proof that maybe something that looks like a bad idea on the surface can actually uh, blossom and become something great. So um, we'll see. In the spirit of optimism, I'll choose to, uh, to yeah, like look, up, look upon this um, with a bit of, uh, I don't know, rose-colored glasses or what have you and, and try to uh, be optimistic about this. So um, we'll obviously keep you updated if there's any major news about this after the strike officially does come to an end, um, maybe uh, the SAG after strike will come to an end shortly and then maybe some casting announcements or something might come out of it and, and we can get a better sense of like what the, the shape of this thing is going to look like. Um, the only other news story that I thought, I mean, it's been a, a fairly quiet week for news, I guess, or, or quiet few days for news. Um, but the only other thing that I wanted to mention is just a personal thing. Um, I love the movie Sing Street. I've talked about that on the podcast before. Uh, I had a chance to speak with John Carney, who is the writer and director of Sing Street. And he is directing a new movie that is called Flora and Son that is going to be on Apple TV Plus on September 29th. So this Friday, um, I had the chance to see this movie at Sundance earlier this year. Really, really enjoyed it. So I had the chance also to interview John Carney recently in the lead up to the release of his new movie. Um, the interview is going to be on Slash Film in full uh, in the coming days, but um, I just wanted to uh, mention that the, there's one part that we sort of broke out and wrote up as its own article. Uh, because I love Sing Street so much, um, I had to ask him about a Sing Street sequel. Not that it's something that I'm like actively interested in, in seeing, but I was just curious if he had ever considered returning to that world. Uh, and he said, yes, I have, but I don't think I will. I think the fun challenge now, having made a bit of TV, the fun challenge of making a film is ending. The brave thing or not brave because none of this is brave, but the kind of honest thing to do as a filmmaker is to risk closing the curtains and saying, I'm done, I've no more to say. Did you like it? Did I end it right? That's the challenge. And his quote continues on there, but um, yeah, I, I encourage people to go and, and read the rest of his quote. Uh, it's kind of interesting. He, he talks about basically like, it boils down to it's good not knowing, especially with the, uh, you could call it an open-ended ending of Sing Street. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting to hear him say like, look, I, I've thought about it. I'm not going to do that. Um, ending is actually like a crucial part of storytelling when it comes to film and the idea of just like sequelizing things forever, uh, as we've seen elsewhere becomes, uh, boring over time. So I, I, I'm, I respect the decision. Um, and I actually think that 
it's the correct decision. I don't think I would really want to see a, a Sing Street sequel, even though I love that movie so much. Um, but basically, I just wanted to use this opportunity to, uh, for those of you who have already seen the movie, um, shed a little light on you know what he said about that, and then also use this as an opportunity to again, just sort of evangelize for this movie that I love that came out in 2016 and is uh, about this guy who, this teenager who um, sees a, a young model across the street from his high school and wants to go up and talk to her and basically just like invents the fact that he has a band and he doesn't have a band and he has to, you know, find a group of friends and put a band together in order to make music to impress this woman. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a really, really lovely movie. The music in it is fantastic. And uh, John Carney has really like carved out this beautiful niche as a filmmaker of making movies that aren't quite like traditional Hollywood musicals where people break out into big song and dance numbers or anything, but also they rely on music as, uh, as connection, as, as a, a, a bonding experience, as like uh, a way to reach people on an emotional level that you wouldn't be able to if you're just having a conversation with somebody. So Sing Street is great. Um, we're not getting, a, uh, not getting a sequel. I'm sorry to, uh, to burst your bubble there if anybody was really looking forward to that. But um, yeah, okay, that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. You can find more about all of these stories that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes for the episode. The SlashFilm show is published two times a week, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter. Send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at bpearson at slashfilm.com. Hey, send those mailbag topics. I would love to do like a full mailbag episode. We haven't gotten anything in a little bit. But if you guys have any questions about anything, uh, yeah, that would be a great uh, way for us to... Uh, have some fun on this podcast. So uh, make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time.